0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As many of you know, I've spent the last week and a little bit in Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico with the Texas Water Mission and also a division of John Hopkins University's medical clinic that services the Navajo Nation. In fact, if you were to look at my car right now, you will probably see, still see the dust of Navajo land as I have been home a little less than twenty-four hours. The need in this area of our nation is still quite urgent. In some of the places that our team visited, the communities live in abject poverty. For example, in one area, estimates conclude that only about 35% of the homes have any sort of electrical power, but yet these are modern modular homes. like we see here in our rural areas. More startling still is the number of individuals who have no access to water. Many of the Diné, that is what the Navajo call themselves, many of the Diné come to outposts, one of which includes St. Christopher's Mission, just outside of Bluff, Utah. And they come to fill from an artesian well whatever containers they can gather. And they go to this well, which is about 25 yards or so from the church. Even the local filling station and convenience store has a well that is available to people who need to collect water. But this isn't just a drive up the street or around the corner. For many people, it is a 50-mile drive in one direction just to locate a well. And that also means that they're using up money for fuel that they could use to buy food or to improve their housing or to purchase clothes. And it's that it goes and they procure more water as they collect. If any of you have watched westerns by John Ford, like The Searchers, or remember the scene from the movie Forrest Gump, where Forrest, played by Tom Hanks, is running from coast to coast, and then abruptly stops while his following asks what it means. Well, both of those movies have scenes that are filmed in Monument Valley, uh, or that Forrest Gump scene is actually filmed in Monument Valley. It is an iconic and recognizable area. One of the villages that we visited was about 20 miles away from this valley, and we had to pass through Monument Valley to get there. Oljeto is a community of about four to five hundred people with trailer homes and prefabricated buildings dotting the hillside and they and the only water they have is about 20 miles away down the hill on a rough gravel road that because of torrential rains, now has a washboard effect when you travel top speed for me in my car was about fifteen miles an hour. I went into two homes, and like any other third world country that I have visited, when the native people there invite you in, you are treated as if you are a royal guest. The first house belonged to Robert. Robert is a veteran. And served in the united states army both in germany and in korea he is a painter and offered me several prints or lithographs of some of his works when i get them framed i might bring them here and display them for a short time he served as an unexpected tour guide giving our little band a glimpse of some azazi ruins that were about two miles ...from the mission of St. Christopher's. But it is over an hour's drive away... ...because the only access to it was a footbridge that crosses the San Juan River. And it had washed out years ago and is yet to be replaced. Robert made sure we had water. His own bottled water that he had purchased... And he made sure we took that along for the hiking we were to do later that day. After that adventure, Robert took us to his brother Bruce's house. Bruce shares his home with their aunt, his cousin daughter. Now, that's a designation to mean that while they are cousins, Bruce actually has raised her as her father abandoned her right after she was born and now his cousin-granddaughter. and his aunt, who is partially blind, suffers from diabetes, and has terrible pain, I'm guessing arthritis, and several of her joints, heard that we were in the area, and insisted that we come into their home, sit in their chairs, listen to Bruce play his guitar, and eat some fresh, homemade fry bread, something that used both their resources and also something which she undoubtedly struggled to make and provide. The next day, Bruce, Robert, and two cousins came to the community center once again to play music and sing for us but also to take part in a ceremony. It was our U.S. holiday of Veterans Day, and many of the Diné men have served and continue to serve in the United States Armed Forces. Robert and several others, including Walter, who works at the mission, took part in a flag-raising ceremony. I want you to picture this, and those of you who are veterans or come from a military family might understand what I will describe. Outside of the mission church is a rough wooden flagpole, and it has a cable that runs to the top with two hasks. Walter walked with all the grace and dignity of an older man who has hip issues to an outside altar, picked up a folded flag that was placed there, and he and another comrade hoisted this flag and gave the proper military salute. After everyone recited the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, the young Navajo children who were there sang our national anthem. After that, Walter chanted in Navajo what he described to me as a flag song, a song which describes the billowing of the flag in the wind. What struck me as odd was that this fact kept lingering in my mind. That very flag which they saluted, they served under during both peacetime and war, was the same flag that led their people onto the reservation after the long walk a forced march that Kit Carson and others led them on. And it was also the flag which many of their fathers and their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers had died under as enemies of our land. It was a poignant moment for me And while the thought had been forming in my mind for some time, it finally came to me with a sense of clarity. Of all the people in this great nation, I do not think that any group of people have been treated more unjustly, more demeaningly, or more as if they were an expendable people than the Native American and that includes the Navajo so what does any of this have to do with our gospel today all during the week that I had been among the Diné two things kept bouncing around in my mind like balls in a pinball machine first when is a gift actually a gift and the second is this What is the major motivation in our lives? And the two work hand in hand. First, the gifts. In today's gospel, our Lord tells a story about slaves whom a master entrusts with talents or coins to use and hopefully bring a profit while he is away. This would be almost like giving Stock certificates or bonds to our children. Or another way to look at it is this. Gifts that are given to you for you to use. Not just to put on a shelf and to gather dust. Robert, Bruce, and Anne all gave those of us who were fortunate enough to meet them some very rare and precious gifts. Among them, The gift of story by visiting the ruins of their ancestors. The gift of hospitality by sharing and opening their homes to us. And the gift of literally breaking bread together, the fry bread for the sharing of a meal. And all of this was provided out of scarcity, out of a lack of abundant resources. Here we are in Portland, Texas, and I think everyone I know who is sitting here today is in far greater economic security than these, my new friends. Yet, and this is my second thought, we hoard our goods out of fear of losing economic security. That fear is what compels the wicked servant to go and bury his talent. One of the things that really came home to me was how much we, and by we I mean 21st century U.S. citizens, how much we live in fear. We fear a virus. We fear an election process that is still unclear. We fear a crash of the markets. We fear another shortage of a common household good, like toilet paper or a drink we enjoy. Our conversations go almost instantaneously to what we are afraid to face. And as a result, we literally hunker down. We literally hoard and purchase more goods than we could possibly need for six months. And we treat our bank accounts like misers, forgetting that joy comes from sharing with others and seeing the joy that comes from that sharing. This particular sermon has been difficult to write, partly because I don't know how to tell the long story of what all happened without speaking for an hour or more, and quite a bit of that stems from where I saw and experienced this gospel passage being acted out without any preconceived ideas of rewards or gifts or investment. It simply was a natural course of being with a people, who understand, and are generous out of their poverty. Neighbors hauling the provisions we brought for other neighbors, who who have no transportation. The Denay, who were not disappointed when we ran out of everything we brought, but were thankful that some in their community had received. One older lady, probably in her late 70s or early 80s, first came driving an SUV to get the wellness boxes for the people who were up and down her street. And then she returned later in a pickup truck to take those same neighbors who can't come out, the sanitation stations we were provided through Johns Hopkins. I suspect the people who work in our food pantry can tell you they often see similar things here. Our Lord calls us out of fear. Fear of scarcity. Fear of want. Fear of political injustices and outcomes. Fear of war. Fear of market collapses, fear of famine and plague, and ultimately, fear of death. Fear is not of God. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. We cannot let fear of anything cripple and paralyze us. Go find the gifts you have that are to be shared, multiplied, invested in our community. While I do hope that this St. Christopher's and that St. Christopher's can partner in some sort of mutual ministry, we don't have to look to a mission field that is 1100 miles away look around Portland and Gregory and Corpus Christi and Ingleside where can we make sure that our talents, our gifts where can we make sure that they are given and where can we drive away not only the fear of those in perilous need here But our own fears as well.